In this episode of BFR University, I answer questions regarding programming with strength and aerobic capacity training and what pressures to use for upper and lower extremities when using the consumer version of Smart Cuff Generation 3. You are listening to the BFR University podcast with your host, Dr. Ed LaCara. BFR University is dedicated to helping people learn safe and effective ways to implement blood flow restriction training into their lives. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ed LaCara. What's up, guys? So sorry. I don't know what's going on with my uh, internet connection, but finally I'm back. Hello, Abe. What's happening? Today is July sixth already unreal um so hope everybody had a great fourth of july weekend and had the day off yesterday i was back in the clinic after a nice long week in uh lower alabama on vacation so i wasn't here last week but um i am back and um here to answer any questions regarding blood flow restriction training pretty exciting week we're going to uh, the national strength and conditioning association uh, this week in Orlando, Florida at their conference and presenting on a um, publication that we had accepted to the Strength and Conditioning Journal on um, blood flow restriction increase in one rep max in Division One football players. So we're going to uh, do a presentation on that, what we found, and, um, and then build on that research, hopefully, in the next uh, couple months. But it's really interesting, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about this with um, a couple of the other um, writers and, um, you know, you think Division One football player, you think big and strong, um, lots of experience in the weight room. Why would you use blood flow restriction training? And really, it's, it, it's the ability to augment normal training without risking um, injuries that can occur with heavy load training. So we all know that uh, the heavier loads that you lift, the more susceptible you are to injury because you're pushing your body to the limits. When we're using blood flow restriction, we can use low loads, take it to or close to failure. And because the loads are so light, you're not causing any muscle damage. You can maintain really good strict form and uh, you have an opportunity to build strength and size without um, risking uh, further injury. So many times in the athletic training room, I would see athletes injured in the weight room doing cleans and squats and other things. And I just say to myself, this is not smart. Like we need to, we need to really restrict what we're doing in the weight room. The weight room is designed to help us be better athletes, better football players, better lacrosse players, better soccer players. Uh, we're not in the weight room typically to be better lifters unless you're purposely trying to be a power lifter or a, um, you know, a fitness guy or girl. So anyway, that's what we're presenting on this week. Uh, live classes have really started to take off. We're um, starting to do one or two per weekend. So if you're looking to get a live course, you can go to smarttoolsplus.com under education and see where our next live courses are mostly in uh, states that are pretty open. So Florida and Texas and lots on the East Coast, really opening up on the West Coast as well. Texas, uh, I mean, sorry, California, um, is starting to open up some classes. 
so yeah, so lots of exciting, exciting news getting kind of back to normal, which is good. I love going to a live conference and being able to speak. It's been a long time. I've been doing them online for way too much. So Abe says, um, I'm up to five to six days per week and the results are so amazing. With the lower weight, I still feel the burn and you should. I mean, when we're cutting off blood flow to the, to the limb, you're having, your body is going to create these metabolites like hydrogen ion and lactate. And that's really where you feel the burn. It's called exercise acidosis. Think of acid as burning. And, um, and our body's response is to buffer that acid the best that we can, um, breathing out, allowing lactate to get into the cell to act as a buffer. Um, but we're really limiting the ability for our body to do that. So it gets acidic very quickly. And um, that's really where the benefit of BFR uh, occurs. And I think a lot of the mechanism for increased strength and hypertrophy in short periods of time, like three, four weeks, like what we saw with our one rep max football players, four weeks is all we had. We, we were supposed to be doing an eight week study, but we could only do it for four weeks because we were shut down because of COVID. So we had to cut the study short. And we still saw increases of 20% with uh, bench and squat, one rep max in trained individuals, not untrained. Um, which you wouldn't expect that quickly. So uh, very cool. Uh, lots of more research needs to be done, and that's why we're contributing to the science. But um, it's helpful to get us moving in the right direction for what we need uh, to do. So Abe, I'm glad that you're having that type of an experience. So I want to open this up right now. Any questions regarding BFR that I can answer uh, right now? If you do, go up to the uh, upper right corner in the chat section where I put hi, hello, and a put hello. Um, and you can type into the message center there on um, questions that you have. I'm happy to answer. As I'm waiting for any questions, um, my free book for blood flow restriction training, you can pre-order. It's not ready to get released yet. Still, uh, it's a little delayed at the editor. It's supposed to be ready to go by the end of this month or last month, but editor is still uh, just finalizing a few things and then get the formatting. Uh, but you can go on uh, bfruniversity.com um, where I post all the um, all the blogs and the emails and you can sign up for the email newsletter that goes out twice a week on all things BFR related and uh, the podcasts um, as well go up there so you can hear any of the old podcasts. Um, so free book, you just pay for shipping. And then I also have options for audiobook, and I also have options for uh, digital download once that is ready. So I'll put that into um, the chat BFRuniversity.com. All right, I got a question from Garrett. I've recently been implementing it in my clinic and testing it with rehab chronic pain. Yep. What I've noticed is that within one visit, people typically are already improving pretty drastically with pain and how things are functioning. Is this common? Absolutely. There's an analgesic response to not just BFR exercise, all exercise. So if we're starting uh, resistance training with BFR earlier than we normally would, because we have to wait, because the heavy loads are gonna damage tissue more, we're gonna have a delayed um, analgesic effect um, in addition, using BFR, um, I see rapid change because you're recruiting motor units that you're not typically recruiting. 
you are getting a decreased pain response. So people are then able to move more and then they can go home and do their home exercises better. Um, I love seeing this in arthritic areas, especially like the knee um, where people get this analgesic response for, you know, 48, 72 hours. And then I combine it with um, extracorporeal shockwave therapy. So I do my shockwave therapy to help stimulate vascular endothelial growth factor, uh, blood flow, healing factors, then finish with exercises using BFR. And I get this double analgesic effect because shockwave also helps with the analgesic effect as well. So um, great results um, in the clinic combining those two modalities. The modalities you may be using like dry needling, same thing. I would do my modalities first and then I would go into um, my rehab exercises uh, manipulation, active release. Um, <laughs> Garrett, uh, uh, excellent. Yeah, I guess I was just shocked at how effective it is. Yeah, it's, it's really effective. And I think it changes our clinician, our clinical hat mindset that if we know that it's going to be an analgesic, I'm going to implement that probably sooner than I typically would, even if it's low level exercise, like, a, um, you know, uh, like for an ACL, like um, even just doing like a, a short arc quad or a short arc quad that doesn't even include terminal extension. Um, we are working on a protocol right now that we're gonna try to get a grant from the NFL on an ACL study. Um, so more information to follow on that, but I think that we can use BFR pre-surgical to prepare for people for the tourniquet of surgery. It will help increase um, the graft of the tendon. And then, uh, especially if you're using like a patellar tendon, then you have surgery. And then when you start BFR immediately, day zero, day one after surgery, you're going to get a faster outcome and um, decreased pain, better range of motion, um, recruiting motor units, uh, reduction in atrophy, all those things that can occur after we've had surgery um, and, and speed up the healing process. So I'm glad you're experiencing that, Garrett. It's great to see that. And um, thanks for joining us. Any other questions today that I can answer? Abe says, I don't really have any questions. However, I discovered that if I leave the cuff on from start to finish, instead of easing off and bringing it back, I feel that doing it every day, the short-term analgesic benefit lasts for a longer period of time. Yeah, definitely you can, um, you can do that continuous. Um, you know, we don't recommend keeping the cuff on longer than 20 minutes at a time. Um, and most of the time, if I'm challenging somebody with a load, they want to take the cuff off after the exercise. So by decreasing the pressure, not necessarily taking the cuff off, just decreasing pressure, what we call free flow, meaning the flow of blood is, is just like it would be without the cuff. Um, and if you're not getting close to failure, I would recommend going to failure or close to failure because um, I think you're just going to get better benefits. So the 30-15-15-15 the repetition scheme that we use, 75 reps with the cuff inflated is a, is a, is a framework. Um, but really it's about getting the tissue fatigued and getting close to failure or to failure. If you go all the way to failure, take an extra day off in between working that body part again. So if I do bicep curls and I go all the way to failure, I'm going to wait probably two days before I hit the biceps again. Um, if you're not going to failure, you can do exercise every day with that same area. We've seen studies twice a day, uh, BFR, same area without damage to the tissue if you don't go to failure. So um, 
uh, part of our protocol that we're trying to write is figuring out how scientifically we can implement going at least one repetition of failure or close to failure. Because uh, really, I think that that's where the, uh, the benefit occurs, because you're getting fatigue into the tissue. Your body recognizes the fatigue and says, hey, I have to adapt to that if I'm going to try to keep repeating this over and over and over again. Awesome. Well, I appreciate everybody jumping on. Looks like I don't have any more questions today. Um, if you are signed up for my newsletter, you're getting information every two weeks. And um, also, uh, you should be um, getting these replays, but you can also go on my YouTube channel. I do have another question from Garrett. How do you program cardio and strength at the same time? Will you do 15 minutes of BFR walking, and then later the same day do you resistance exercise? Yes, absolutely. In the ideal situation, what I do is I have people do a BFR walk in the morning for 20 minutes. Um, they get their uh, heart rate reserve um, to about 35%, 40%, something like that. It's not a strenuous walk, but it's a, it's a, it's a walk. Um, then I uh, will have them do training when their hormone levels have elevated. Typically, testosterone is at its peak at about 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So in an ideal world, if you had nothing better to do, you didn't have to work, you could like work around this kind of programming, walk in the morning, resistance training in the afternoon. Um, a basket is 40 minutes too long. I mean, you know, I'm presenting to the masses. Um, and so my general recommendation is 20 to 30 minutes, um, keeping cups on. I don't think 40 minutes is too long. You know, when you think, um, when you think in a healthy individual, let me preface that when you think about surgical, you know, you're a hundred percent occlusion for sometimes hours at a time. Um, and so I don't think that there's uh, increased risk with 40 minutes. If you're in a healthy individual, no, no clotting issues, blood clotting issues. Um, um, I just, as a general recommendation, I try to keep it to 20 to 30, but there's always exceptions to rules. Um, Rico asks, how do you decide which pressure, low, medium, or high to use with the cuffs? Do you try to get to the high? Is that the best? Um, it's a great question, Rico. I, it's a lot of it is the patient tolerance or client, client tolerance. I would always recommend starting for the first two weeks on low, then for two weeks go medium, and then go to high after two weeks if you can tolerate it. Especially in the lower extremity, I don't think you need to go to high. Medium is um, on our cuffs. Medium is right around 70% millimeters of mercury, and it's, it's enough pressure, I think. Uh, sorry, 70% of limb occlusion pressure, not 70 millimeters of mercury, 70%. Um, lower extremity, the normals are 60 to 80%. So that medium is right in the middle, 70. In the upper extremity, I do think you want to get to the high. Um, I think it's more important because the tissue is not as big. Uh, the pressures are not as high. Um, so you want to get to that 50%, but take some time to get to there so your body has a time to acclimate to the pressures. So to, to summarize, what I would say, Rico, is First two weeks, do low pressure. Second two weeks, do medium pressure, and then go to higher pressures um, if you can. Those pressures are, are designed to not exceed safe and acceptable uh, based on the research pressures. And that's why we put those pressures specifically into our um, consumer model cuff. Um, in the pro version cuff, you, you can exceed that. You can set your pressures higher if you purposely want to as a clinician because you're um, you're making those decisions for your for your clients or your patients. So, 
Um, but more is not necessarily better. I, I do think it is better in the upper extremity to get to 50%. Uh, lower extremity, though, like I said, you're okay, medium or high, depending on what you can tolerate. Remember, it takes between three and five sessions of BFR to get really used to the pressures. So give your body a chance to get used to it. It'll be much more comfortable. All right. Thank you guys so much. I will um, hopefully see you guys next week. I'll let you know how the conference goes. And um, this will be released on my YouTube channel, just Ed LaCara, and also on uh, BFR University probably in the next day or so. All right. Bye for now. Thank you.